Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we debunk the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. Now, today it's going to be pretty much strictly breastfeeding, but in the context of childcare. And for that topic, I have with me Dr. Sarah Benjamin Nealon. Dr. Benjamin Nealon, welcome to the show. Thank you, Marie. Thanks for having me. I'd like to tell you a little bit about her. Dr. Sarah Benjamin Nealon is PhD, JD, RD, and she is an associate professor in the Department of Health, Behavior, and Sociology at the, and the director of the Lerner Center for Public Health Promotion at Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. She is also a, fellow faculty, a faculty fellow at the University of Cambridge. Her research focuses on policy and environmental approaches to childhood obesity prevention with studies in the United States, England, and Kenya. She completed her Ph.D. at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, her J.D. at Mitchell Hamlin School of Law, and her postdoctoral fellowship at Harvard Medical School. However, I think that you will find that Dr. Benjamin Nealon is very down-to-earth. She really gets it about the kinds of issues that ordinary parents and ordinary providers deal with on a daily basis. So with all of that said, I would like to again remind you that what we're talking about here today is the, I guess, sort of the intersection between breastfeeding and childcare, or if in your locale you call it daycare, that would be uh, pretty much the same thing. But I believe, and I will let her correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that here we're really talking about mostly the res- the non-residential sorts of, of childcare where the child or the baby is at a facility cared for by other people. Am I correct on that? That's exactly right. Okay. Because certainly we all know that we have a family that come in and watch our children and so forth, but that's really not the focus of what we're talking about today. So I have to tell you that I became very interested in this when it was actually a friend of mine from nursing school who called me one Saturday and she was telling me about, I can't remember now, a family member, a neighbor, somebody that was about to put their child into some sort of child care arrangement and, oh, by the way, was breastfeeding. And she had so many questions tumbling out of her mouth. And, and I'm on the phone. And she said, I don't know how to help so-and-so. But I told her, Marie will know. I will call her. And so, yeah, I did. I had a lot of good answers for fairly simplistic things, but it really got me interested in realizing that there are some very special situations that uh, are encountered by the parents of a child who is in child care rather than being at home. Can you illuminate for us what are those special issues if you were to name several? Sure. 
Well, as you mentioned, you know, not surprisingly, once a woman returns to work and an infant goes to childcare or daycare, um, breastfeeding becomes much more challenging. And so, yeah, so we're really looking at ways that we can make childcare um, more friendly to working moms. What if you were to name some of those challenges, what would be the challenges that would leap to your mind? Sure. I mean, I think the two things that come to mind, um, we know that research studies show that rates of breastfeeding plummet when yes. women go back to work and infants enter childcare. Yes. And so there are really two things about childcare that can help support breastfeeding moms. Uh, the first one is really the structural or physical environment. Mm hmm. You know, does the childcare program have a place for moms to store breast milk? Um, does the childcare program have a room or space for moms to come in over lunch, for example, and breastfeed or nurse their infants? So there's this structural or physical aspect that can support moms in daycare. But then the other piece, Marie, is really the interaction between mm-hmm. mom and child care provider. Uh-huh. So for uh-huh. example, at the end of the day, you don't want your child care provider feeding baby at, at 5 p.m. Right. If, if mom's coming at 6 p.m. to pick up baby, uh, you, you want a hungry baby when mom's ready to breastfeed. Right. And you and I both know that often what happens is that the provider, who probably with good intentions, gives that baby a bottle when, in fact, the mother is due to arrive in maybe even just, I can think of situations where it's been, uh, she's going to arrive in 10 minutes. And somebody thought, oh, well, I think somebody really wasn't thinking about how soon it would be. And so the baby ends up getting fed, which therefore puts the mother in a bad spot of having these full breasts when she arrives. That's exactly right. It's all about communication. Absolutely. Sarah, I don't know if you can address this or not, but something to the effect of if you were interviewing a child care provider, what sorts of questions would you ask her to determine how on board she was with your idea of what you want to do with your breastfeeding experience? It would be all well and fine to say to her, do you support breastfeeding mothers? You know she's going to say yes. But remember, too, it might, in fact, it usually is more than just one person. It's usually several people. How would you go about determining the amount of support that you're going to get in those interactions? Yeah, that's a great question. And, um, you know, we, we can look to national organizations who have put forth recommendations yes. for child care. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, there are um, national standards put forth by the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Public Health Association, and the National Resource for Health and Safety in Child Care and Early Education. And they really have identified those exact questions that parents should ask their child care providers. Mm-hmm. So the first one is, like you said, do you support breast <laughs> Um And hopefully everyone says yes. But the second one is, is there a designated place for a mom to breastfeed at that child care program? Does it have a chair? Does it have a power outlet if she wants to go in and pump, be near baby? Um, And the next one is really talking to the child care providers about when they introduce solid foods to babies. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if mom's exclusively breastfeeding, uh, she doesn't want the child care provider to be introducing new foods or solid foods to baby until six months. 
And even then, it needs to be a conversation between parents and child care providers. If you were the parent, how would you go about having that? Con- well, first of all, when would you have that conversation? Would you have that conversation when you enroll the baby or when the time comes or both? I, I think both, but most importantly, making sure you're all on the same page when baby enters childcare. That's just critical. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. a lot of moms don't have a ton of options for childcare. It's really expensive right. for infants, and um, there are a lot of factors parents consider uh, when choosing childcare. I agree. Proximity, cost, uh, convenience, and you know, breastfeeding might not be at the top of the list. That's very interesting that you say that because I created a handout for parents for things that I thought that they should be interested in asking because what I see is that they most frequently ask about cost and convenience and not to underrate. <laughs> we, we all want a lower cost. We all want greater convenience. But if you're really committed to breastfeeding, you might not really be thinking about the fact that this might make or break your breastfeeding experience if you want to do exclusive breastfeeding. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And the research tells us that, that women, uh, many women stop breastfeeding or don't breastfeed for as long as they had intended if yes. their child care program is not supportive. And this would be a good time for me to say, even if you have a relative who's doing care for your child in your house, And even if that relative has had a very successful breastfeeding experience herself, that doesn't necessarily mean that she will have it all done exactly the way that you might envision it. So that's just kind of an aside. So let's talk a little bit about how big is this issue? How many infants in the United States spend time in child care? How prevalent is the child care? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, child care arrangements vary from family to family, um, but about 50 to 60% of infants across the country, across the United States, spend time in some form of out-of-home childcare. So not your nanny care, not right. your, not a grandparent, but really in these um, more formal out-of-home settings. And as infants get older, you know, from move from two months to three months to six months to nine months, um, Childcare prevalence increases. So more kids, as they get older, spend time in childcare. Sure, sure. Do we have any data that show the amount of exclusively breastfed children, infants, I should say, who are in daycare? We don't have good numbers there. Um, and part of it is because we know that uh, exclusively breastfed infants um are not always compatible with full-time childcare, but I'm not, I don't have a great answer to that question, but we do know that um, we need to do a better job supporting exclusively breastfed infants in childcare. Oh, I would second that. Uh, so that brings us then to an issue about regulation. I think that most of us, whether we are professionals or not professionals, we understand that things are regulated, even if it's how many electrical outlets we have in our office. That's those things. There is a standard. There is a code. We all have to have compliance. Uh, it seems to me that that is not necessarily the case with child care. Can you speak to that? Sure. So child care is essentially regulated by each individual state. So each state 
has its own set of licensing and administrative regulations for childcare. And sometimes even cities have their own set of regulations. Oh, okay. Now, these regulations are the floor, the baseline, the minimum of what should be happening in childcare. So because they're the minimum, we, we expect they should be pretty good. Yes, yes. And who writes those? So each state um, has its own licensing agency responsible for uh, regulations that um, mainly govern two types of childcare in each state. It's mainly childcare centers, which are larger facilities, um, sometimes more formal facilities. And then you've got um, the daycare home or a family childcare home. And that might be a woman who's licensed, but provides daycare um, in your neighborhood, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fewer children often are cared yes. for in those settings. Yes. So uh, these folks that make the, uh, the regulations, how much do they know about breastfeeding? Oh, good question. <laughs> like maybe not a lot? <laughs> I mean, the regulations are so different from state to state. Um, and each state has its own set of priorities and health issues it wants to address. The number one issue is safety. We want to protect our children in childcare. Okay. Um, and but there's so much variability that you really have to look to each individual state to see if they support breastfeeding and how much they know about breastfeeding. I would think so. Yes. Uh, say, everybody, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with Dr. Sarah Benjamin Nealon, and we are talking about breastfeeding as related to child care. Don't go away. We'll be right back after the short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. 
and Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. And I have with me today Dr. Sarah Benjamin Nealon. We're talking about issues as related to child care and uh, its effect on breastfeeding and pretty much the other way around as well. Now, before we go into that topic any further, I'd just like to remind you, if you are at all considering getting your IBCLC, Now might be the time. You might want to join me in sunny Orlando. I will be giving my 90-hour comprehensive lactation course in February. It is not too late to sign up, and it's probably not too late for you to get the early bird discount. I know some of you will be listening sooner and some of you will be listening later, but it's still worth a try. So by all means, go to my website at breastfeedingoutlook.com. Again, that's breastfeedingoutlook.com. And now I'm back with Dr. Sarah Benjamin Nealon. So you talked about the idea of child care being regulated at the state level. It seems to me that at the state level, there are hard and fast, at least in some states, maybe not all, correct me if I'm wrong, but at least in some states, those are hard and fast regulations, whereas at the national level, it seems to me like it's more along the lines of guidelines. Do I have that right? Yes, that's exactly right. Okay. So talk to us about these national guidelines. And I guess my question is twofold. First of all, where do we find those national guidelines? What's the gist of the guidelines? And actually a third component, which is... uh, do they really use those or what? So I realized that was kind of a, a three-pronged question there, but feel free to see what you can do to address that if you would, please. Sure, absolutely. And I think I mentioned, you know, a really good strong set of national guidelines or standards comes from this joint collaboration. Yes. And that's, that's the American Academy of Pediatrics, American Public Health Association, and the National Resource Center for Health and Safety in Child Care and Early Education. Mm-hmm. And I've been particularly interested in, in five specific standards that I think actually make a difference in oh, child care for breastfeeding okay. moms. And we talked about some of those already, um, but some of the, the others, we talked about talking with parents about 
introducing solid foods. Right. We talked about having a designated place for moms to breastfeed on site at the child care facility. But we didn't talk about not giving babies formula without oh, parents' yes. permission. Oh, please do address this. And that's another big one on the list. Yes, it is. Uh, but when you're a child care provider, because we have to consider their perspective as well. Sure. And I mean, I should mention that child care providers, that's a hard job. If any of you child care providers out there, um, you know that it's not the highest paying paid position. Uh, you don't always have sick time, vacation time. Uh, many child care providers are working mothers. And it, it's a high stress, high noise level, <laughs> high anxiety job. Uh, you have the responsibility of caring for other people's children. And most of the child care providers I've met do it because they love children. Yes, I and, agree. And so when you have a baby and you have run out of breast milk uh, and can't reach mom, you have to decide what to do. Uh, mm-hmm. Baby mm-hmm. seems hungry. There is potentially the option of, of feeding, feeding that baby formula. So that is a conversation that parents should have with their child care providers ahead of time about how you handle those types of situations. Agreed. Although sometimes your state laws or your state regulations will tell you that even if you want to, you cannot, you may not give formula to breastfeeding infants. Mm. And that varies from state to state? Absolutely varies. Substantially. I see. see. Okay. Um, And the the very last one is, is what we talked about, which is all about communication. Really making sure that parents, moms, are talking about breastfeeding patterns and frequency uh, with their child care providers to make sure that when you go to pick up your baby, baby um, didn't just get a bottle when mom is ready to breastfeed. So let's back up a minute, which is I tell parents that I think it's important for them to ask the child care provider and that might be one person, it might be a staff of persons, about their training as related to, for example, feeding cues. And it seems to me that that would be important for either breastfed or bottle-fed infants, formula-fed infants. Uh, But also, how much training did they get, and how often is that training repeated? Do we have any information on that? that? Is this part of the standards, And if it is, then is it really adhered to? What do we know about that, if anything? That's a great question. And, you know, many child care providers have degrees in early childhood development. Yes, true. Mm -hmm. That doesn't often include nutrition. (laughs) All right. Even if it does include feeding or nutrition, it doesn't always include breastfeeding. And so you may have a child care provider who's young, who has almost no experience or training on breastfeeding. Yes, there are a few states that require child care providers to be trained when they're first hired on uh, feeding of children, but okay. most of the time that's left to the discretion of the state, and feeding children, that's a big area. That could be how to get picky eaters to try new foods. Right. Uh, that could be not force-feeding children, um, not negotiating feeding of children. It, it may or may not be breastfeeding. I'm having all I can do to restrain myself here because 
I am very amazed at what I would call overfeeding in daycare situations. I see this in the research literature, but I also see this just in real life. And can you summarize for us what do we know about the overfeeding of children in childcare uh, situations, and what what do we need to know about that? That's that's a a, a big area and um, a really important one right now because we are looking at um, rates of childhood obesity that are that are alarming over the moon. Yes, to say the mm-hmm. least. Mm-hmm. But even infants are becoming overweight or obese. And it's, it's not comfortable to talk about an infant being obese. Oh, it isn't. But infants in the United States are gaining weight quickly and they're gaining weight excessively. And so obesity is starting early uh, and even in infancy. And overfeeding is, is absolutely something that's contributing to this obesity epidemic. Now, we know that breastfed infants and breastfed Moms and babies do a better job regulating intake. Absolutely, yes. And um, but when when you take mom out of the equation and babies in childcare, uh, you we often see uh, overfeeding, and yes. some of that is not paying attention to babies' satiety cues. Cues, mm-hmm. hung, mm-hmm. yeah, hunger and satiety cues. Uh, discerning a hunger cry versus uh, a cry that means baby's cold or uncomfortable. But the other thing that I've seen firsthand in childcare is a bottle propping pillow. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Talk to us. (laughs) Boy, if you see one of those, (laughs) I think that's an opportunity to have a really frank and honest conversation with your childcare provider about how damaging they can be. Absolutely. And if, for those of you who don't know what a bottle propping pillow is, it's literally this U-shaped pillow that goes around baby's neck and is designed to prop a bottle so that childcare providers can walk away and, and still feed infants at the same time because the bottle is literally propped. And for younger infants, you can't turn away. You can't, um, you can't turn away from that bottle when you're full. I think what's most disturbing to me is when I see that we have safety commissions for everything from, you know, soup to nuts. How did the, a, a bottle propping pillow ever, I'm sure you don't have the answer to this. <laughs> how, how did that ever get approved? It just seems to me like that is, it, it's not physiologically appropriate as well as it's not appropriate from the standpoint of interacting with the baby it's just so hard for me to get my head around that and so you're saying that if the baby cannot move away from it he has to be basically force-fed am I reading you right here that can absolutely happen with a bottle propping pillow wow but Marie I think you need to think about this from the child care provider's perspective okay okay you're a provider and you have three infants and they're all hungry yes yes you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Invention, yes. And I have never been a child care provider, but I have been a registered nurse in a newborn nursery. And how many babies you're supposed to be assigned to and how many babies you actually get assigned to is often not the same thing. And I have never propped a baby with a bottle. I can say that. But I can certainly tell you 
that there have been babies that I've not been able to attend to as quickly as I would like to. I see the hunger cues. I know that they're past the early hunger cues, but I've only got two hands and two feet. Um, It's just the reality of the situation. So I guess I see where you're coming from here, which is that might be the way in which to get that baby to get a feeding on time. Am I right? That's right. Now, a lot of states do prohibit bottle propping. Okay. So many states have regulations that say, period, you can't do it. No okay. bottle propping. Um, other states have regulations that say explicitly infants must be held while bottle feeding. And okay. uh, even better, sometimes you see state regulations that require the same child care provider to feed, in, to feed the same infant on a regular basis, if and at all possible. Some states say that? Some states say that. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm very impressed with that. That's really great. Because I can also tell you that I've worked in a special care nursery where there are kids that, you know, you do kind of get attached to. And there, you feel some sense of really wanting to take care of that baby. I get that. I really do. Wow. Okay, well, I learned something there. So we're still on the, uh, oh, wait a minute. I think that we're getting to the point where we need to take a break here. So anyway, uh, don't go away, everybody. I'm Marie Biancuto, and I will be right back with Dr. Sarah Benjamin Nealon in just a moment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, and I'm here today with Dr. Sarah Benjamin Nealon. We are talking about breastfeeding as related to childcare issues. And as you can tell, in that last segment, I was I wasn't watching the clock. I was really intrigued with what Dr. Benjamin Nealon was sharing with us, and I think that you will be as well. She was talking certainly about some of the regulations, and I think this would be a good time to move into. Where do the states come in as related to the support or lack of support for childcare situations as related to breastfeeding? So maybe you could start with what states would you say have particularly unsupportive uh, mandates or, or maybe it's just lack of mandates as related to breastfeeding? How would you characterize that? What states would they be? Sure, absolutely. Well, um, again, I want to remind everyone that regulations are really the minimum and that right. childcare programs can always do better. They can always do better, but this is what they must do. Mm-hmm. And um, I think what concerns me most is when I see state regulations that tell childcare providers you must do something that actually might hinder breastfeeding. Okay. And I think that's actually how you and I got in touch. You um, you noticed a published paper um, that I had written, and I had highlighted a state as having regulations that were actually bad for breastfeeding, that right. didn't support breastfeeding. And um, I don't think you believed me until you looked it up yourself. <laughs> and you can all go and look up your state regulations. You can just do an online search for regulations in your state, and you will get a very long list oh, yeah. of regulations for typically child care centers, if your infant is in a more formal setting, or family child care or daycare homes. But sometimes I get concerned when I see states that consider breast milk um, a hazardous material. Oh, dear. Yes. Here we go. Yes. Yes. And the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says that um, human milk, breast milk, is not a hazardous hazardous material, and you don't need to use universal precautions. Right. And some states maybe don't trust that or are just trying to be um, here on the side of caution. But I feel like these regulations have the potential to hurt infants in childcare. Absolutely, yes. For example, um, if you're in the state of Utah and your baby is in a family childcare home or a daycare home, 
those child care providers have to actually glove up. They have to wear waterproof gloves whenever they handle human milk. Oh, that's not, oh dear. And the state regulations go further that you actually have to dispose of human milk in a plastic bag that um, you're sure will not leak because they're really considering this to be a a biological hazard. Yes. Well, now wait, I want to back up a minute. I am not aware of any recommendation or mandate from OSHA to that effect or from the CDC. So how does the state come up with this? So I was just, uh, to finish on Utah, though, they actually changed those regulations last year. Oh, so good. good for oh, them. Good. Oh, good for good them. for them. Definitely. They, um, there are other states that still have those regulations on the books, like Iowa. Um, okay. Iowa explicitly calls human milk a bodily excrement. Oh, no. And, and says that universal precautions are necessary. Oh, no. Oh, no. But oh. the CDC says that um, human milk, uh, unless you're interacting with human milk regularly on a, on a you know, hourly basis, like working in a breast milk bank, right. that you don't need to right. use universal precautions. precautions. And those, oh, wow. that actually comes up in some states like Mississippi, Ohio, and Texas. Their regulations actually state that you do not need to use universal precautions. In case anyone was wondering or questioning that, those states actually explicitly say universal precautions are not needed in childcare for human milk. I'm sorry, but I'm still just flipping out about human milk being referred to as a human excrement. Yes, a bodily excrement. A bodily excrement. Oh, dear. Well, this kind of explains, I don't know if it explains it or not, but I'm thinking of mothers who have told me that their milk has been thrown out because the provider felt that it was a body fluid, as in a body fluid that carries some sort of uh, risk. Yes, absolutely. And that's actually one thing that's uh, governed by child care regulations as well is sometimes the regulations will tell you you can only have breast milk thawed and out for two hours and then you need to dispose of it. Yes, so that's not good. And it really encourages moms to provide breast milk in smaller portions. Well, and I encourage moms to provide the, I mean, that is just a good practice. But you can have several little, well, I guess you'd have to worry about it getting lost. But if it's labeled, hopefully that's not as big of a problem. But I have had mothers tell me, oh, yes, they went through and they cleaned out the employee sandwiches. And so they uh, threw out my milk, too. That's heartbreaking, heartbreaking. And and how old was your milk? Only a day or two. Oh, dear. And then, and by the way, correct me if I'm wrong on this, because I am not up to snuff with this uh, literature, but the last that I read was that, uh, I think it was either the Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, or... uh, the Women's Health Office that says that it's okay to put, if, if you are a working mother, that it's okay to put your milk in the same refrigerator where your colleagues are putting their sandwiches. Is that your understanding as well? Well, I, that is also something that can be governed by state law. And you really need to look at your state law. State law, okay. See good, whether good point. it does. Right, okay. We know, I mean, we know that we're talking about one type of 
policy. We're talking about state licensing and administrative regulations for childcare. But we really should take a step back and look at all of these other policies and regulations I, that absolutely. support breastfeeding. Absolutely. And they're mainly mainly at a state level. Um, you've got indecency laws mm-hmm. that govern whether you can breastfeed in public. We have um, the worksite policies that you mentioned. And, you know, there's some research on that. Um, there's one study that found that states with worksite policies that support breastfeeding, like the one you mentioned, where you can store your breast milk in your refrigerator with your colleagues' lunches. Right. Um, if you have those state policies, one research study found that, not surprisingly, more women breastfed in that state. <laughs> well, yeah, not surprisingly. That may not yeah. be a causal association, but we just know that states with higher quality policies. It's a relationship. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. There's another one um, that... That talks that speaks to what you mentioned, um, uh, where they looked at hospitals in New York, and they found that um, hospitals as a work site, that if those hospitals adopted um, breastfeeding policies, they actually had um, more supportive practices and higher breastfeeding rates of employees who worked in the hospital. That, again, no surprise on that. We spent some time talking about those states that have practices that undermine breastfeeding or hinder breastfeeding. What about some states that are perhaps exemplary? How would you characterize those, and where are those states? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Well, I've done a number of studies, and I do it about every five years. I review every state's regulations on breastfeeding, and... Uh, This allows me to kind of track changes over time and see which states have strong regulations or a lot of regulations that support breastfeeding and which which ones have none or nothing in terms of regulation supporting breastfeeding. And two that really stand out are uh, Delaware. I agree. Mm -hmm. Delaware is absolutely the leader in childcare regulations that promote health Mm -hmm. in general, but certainly breastfeeding. Yes, I agree. In North Carolina, North Carolina does pretty well with their breastfeeding regulations for child care. The reason I was so quick to agree about Delaware is that I gave an all-day talk for the state health department in August. And so I kind of went snooping around what Delaware, Delaware has done. I sort of felt like this was at the state level. I should be at least marginally familiar with what they do or don't do. And I just thought, wow, these folks seem to really have it together. I'm thinking about North Carolina and remembering that for, oh, gee, some 25 or 30 years that I know of, Dr. Miriam Labak has been very uh, uh, influential there. And of course, uh as you know, she has now passed away, but it shows you that things can get done when when people are aware of what needs to be done and then they fight for those causes. And we're coming up to a break here in just a moment, but during this se- session, we really tried to look at some of these uh, best practices and uh, inhibiting practices, if you will. Just can you tell us, have you been personally involved in helping some of those changes to come about, or can you give us some suggestions for how people can become involved if they wish to? Absolutely. Um, as a as an early childhood researcher and a dietitian by training, I um, 
have prepared a number of reports that states can use to make decisions about which regulations to draft. Okay. Um, so that's good. But, you know, as a resident of a state, I also, and you also can do this, you all can do this as well, but whenever a state updates its regulations, which is typically about every three to ten years, depends okay. on your state, they, uh, the states always put their proposed regulations out for public comment. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that is your chance to influence your state regulations. Mm-hmm. That's a, I had really forgotten that, honestly. And I know that sometimes I've been involved in that and sometimes it just kind of gets by me. But if this is a passion for any of our listeners, that is definitely one way to do it. Hey, everybody, don't go away. I'm here today with Dr. Sarah Benjamin Nealon. We're talking about breastfeeding and child care issues. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash donor. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with Sarah Benjamin Nealon. So, Dutch Benjamin Nealon, talk to us a little bit about why research in this area is so important. Sure. Well, I think the one thing that I can offer is a national perspective. Okay. And that's really um, take someone who can review all states' regulations, which is not the most exciting thing to do. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but really read every state's regulations and compare and contrast across mm. states. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to identify those leaders, those states that are really innovative in their regulations and really doing things that will support and encourage breastfeeding moms. And I do this, like I said, about every five years so that I can see changes over time and and see if um, regulations are responding to public health issues like breastfeeding, like obesity. And and I, I think this research gives us an idea of which states are perhaps lagging behind mm-hmm. and, and which one can serve, uh, which states can serve as the model for other states, like Delaware. I like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As a model, yes. You're not saying they necessarily have to do it exactly that way, but that is a model for excellence. Would that be correct? That's exactly right. Okay, and so you've already identified Delaware and North Carolina as two that are particularly exemplary. Any others that come to your mind? Well, when I've done a comparison by geographic region across the country, states in the South are the ones with the the most regulations and the strongest regulations. Okay. And that might be perhaps not what you thought. Um, Yeah, wouldn't be what I would think right off the bat, no. But Georgia, Mississippi, um, Alabama, if you live in any of those states, your states have pretty strong regulations supporting breastfeeding and childcare. And states out in the West were the ones that had the fewest regulations. <laughs> wow. That's, well, as I'm sure you know, even though we are all one country, the cultural differences between uh, states is often substantial. So talk to us a little bit about money for research in this uh, topic. First of all, uh, could you tell us a little bit about who has funded your research? And the second part of that question is, why don't we have, is it difficult to get funding for this sort of topic? Yeah, those are great questions. Um, You know, as a researcher, I've been supported um, by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, oh, uh-huh. healthy, uh, specifically healthy eating research. And, and they are actually the leaders in, in funding studies that examine policies 
that have the potential to really make a difference. Yes. And they're building a culture of health. And breastfeeding is, is, a, is a big part of that culture of health. And they, um, they understand that, that policies or regulations act, actually impact what we do on a daily basis. And that changing those norms uh, can actually impact child health. And, the, and you know that breastfeeding has the potential to have long-term implications Absolutely. for child Absolutely. health. And it's more than food, but it certainly is food. I love what you just said, building a culture of health. Because I often try to tell new nurses or new healthcare professionals, this is not just about, oh, sit down, have some training, understand how to do it, and you're good to go. It, it's just, it's not that simple. It's really about normalizing breastfeeding and, as you just said, building a culture of health. You just named two uh, funders who have supported you. Anybody else that that you might like to mention? There are actually um, a number of organizations that are getting more interested in the role of regulation or policy. The National Institutes of Health, oh, we mentioned, uh-huh. yes. CDC. Um, I think we're realizing that um, policies and regulations can really help um, nudge us in the right direction. Yes. And yes. Um, they, they really set the floor of, of, of the kind of baseline practices that should be happening. And when you've got infants in childcare, um, those parents are sharing the responsibility of caring for their infants with, the, with some other adult. And that relationship is critical, but it, it, um, I think it's comforting to know that states are helping to guide those practices and that regulations really dictate how childcare facilities and providers approach breastfeeding. And they can help ensure that they support breastfeeding as well. It's funny. As I hear you talking just now, I'm thinking that the show is almost coming to a close here today. And I'm feeling rather uplifted. I'm feeling like, no, we don't have this all figured out. We don't have it perfect. We don't have everything exemplary or ideal. But I feel as though you're saying that we have had a big difference in the last decade or so. Am I reading you right? Yeah, I do. I, I, I see positive changes happening in okay. states, um, especially that state that decided to change its regulations. Sure. Uh, and that was Utah. And last year they actually removed that one regulation that yeah. um, I would consider to hinder breastfeeding. Absolutely. So there's absolutely yes. a positive change happening Um we know that childcare isn't going away. Right. Uh, it's only becoming more common for Absolutely. kids in the U.S. And um, I think finding a way to promote health and to, to encourage breastfeeding in those settings um, is, a, is a win-win for parents, Absolutely. childcare providers. Any final thoughts that you have before we leave today? I think it's just important that we understand this is this is a complex system, and there are so many factors that go into selecting childcare, and, and breastfeeding is one of them. And um, no matter what decision parents make, um, their kids will 
Our kids will be okay. (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeed. Well, this has been very informative and, for me at least, very encouraging and very clarifying. Thank you so much, Dr. Sarah Benjamin Nealon, for joining me on Born to be Breastfed today. Thank you so much. Finally, I'd like to thank all of you for listening. Without you, I don't have a show. I really enjoy doing this every week. I would like to believe that I've helped people to meet their own goals, not only for breastfeeding or feeding, but for parenting in general. And I really enjoy preparing for this. I enjoy delivering it. I learned so much from my guests and hope that you do as well. I would also like to encourage you to visit my blog. That's mariebiancuzzo.com slash blog, again, M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O dot com slash blog. And this week, I have something special there for you if you decide to opt in. Have a couple of freebies for you. Don't miss them. They're for you. And that is at mariebiancuzzo.com. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining me. And I will be back again next week with another exciting guest, and hoping to help you to realize that your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. 